This is Kevin Hildebrand, cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, inviting you to our campus in November for the annual Good Shepherd Institute Conference, November 5th through 7th. This year's conference includes addresses by Brian Spinks, Paul Grimm, and James Busher, and there's excellent music, including a Bach cantata with the Seminary Contarai and a hymn festival at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. For complete details, visit ctsfw.edu slash GSI. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, may the Lord to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. A reading from Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens.
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the habitation of your house, and the place where your glory dwells. You shall have no other gods. page 326. What is the office of the keys? According to these words, I believe that when the call ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to be better, this is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as in Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So the 70 or the 72 went out. They had a simple message. It was this, peace be to this house. The peace in the blood of Jesus, the peace with God, the end of the enmity that is sin, and the end of the sin that creates the enmity between God and man. Absolution, the forgiveness of sins, we would call it the loosing key. And we might say that this phrase, to this house, to paraphrase Luther, requires all hearts to believe. Those who receive that absolution in faith, Jesus calls them sons of peace. But those who reject it, well, because they won't own it, they can't. What they get instead comes from the ugly bottom of the beautiful feet of Christ's messengers, the dust which in their sin they will return to, and the death that comes before and the hell that follows it, the binding key. But even if they don't and won't and therefore can't own that peace, it doesn't mean that they can do anything to negate it. How does the hymn put it? The battle's o'er, the fight is won. That's the point that Jesus was making when he said, if a son of peace is not there, the peace that you announce is going to return to you. Not receiving peace with God in faith doesn't make it just go away, cease to exist, evaporate into thin air. No, instead, it returns fully intact to both apostle and pastor. And that is comfort number one for you. The unbelief of those that you preach to doesn't in any way whatsoever diminish the gospel, the absolution, the forgiveness of sins, or the authority of Christ by which you deliver it. So Jesus' message to you in that case is this. Just pick up your toys and move on. You will find a son of peace. The if that Jesus uses presupposes that. But the big question is this. If the good Lord's emissaries, if you, when you are called, go out with a peace and a reconciliation with God in the blood of Jesus, and if to have this peace and this reconciliation is to be rescued from all sins and from death and from the abyss that has been prepared for the devil and all of his angels, and if to be rescued from those is also to gain everything that they are not, Christ's righteousness and holiness and life and everlasting life and eternal salvation in heaven, if all that is so, what sort of man must it be who's not a son of peace? Well, the exact size and shape of those people varies. The exact size and shape of the sin that places them at enmity with God also ranges, at least as far as I can tell. Some of them are murderers. Some of them are adulterers and serial adulterers. Some nurse hatred and envy. 
Others can't enjoy a good reputation, the good reputation that they have, without diminishing somebody else's. Some of them exist for themselves and themselves alone, and quite obviously, all that is super easy to spot. But others, not so much. Nothing in their record to warrant the dismissive and derisive disapprobation of the Pharisees. Sinner! Virtuous pagans, they've been called by the church. The same church that calls them virtuous pagans sometimes even harbors virtuous pagans. In fact, you might know one. I think I do. I think his name is Old Adam, and he's made John Bruss into his lapdog. On the outside, these people don't have much in common at all. Here there's a virtuous, there a vicious pagan. Here a church-going Christian, and there a scofflaw. But when we are talking about the keys, it's not a matter of what's on the outside of a man. It's all about what's on the inside. It's either the defiance of Adam in his characteristic self-defense pose. It was the woman that you gave me. Or it's the passive contrition that our confessions talk about, the dust left by the pounding hammer of God. It's either Jonah, smug in his conviction that he's okay, but Nineveh's not, and that's jolly good, or it's from the depths of, woe I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. It's either whistling by the graveyard of God's just condemnation, or it's repentance, as in, I'm sorry for all of this, and I want to do better. Here's the thing. You don't want to be any of those. You don't want to be found whistling by the graveyard of God's just condemnation. You don't want to be found pulling a Jonah or reprising Adam because the loosing key, the loosing key is for none of those people, not a one. Of course, it's not that the keys aren't for the graveyard whistler, or for Adam or for Jonah. They are. The special authority that Christ has given to his church is, to be sure, the loosing key, the proclamation of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins in the blood of Jesus, the word that creates the faith that it requires right in the heart of the, of the sinner. But the office of the keys also holds the binding key. And that, my friends, is the full-throated condemnation of the law. It is the dust from the bottom of the apostles' feet. It is the whosoever sins ye bind, they have been bound already. That's the key for those kind of sinners. Thomas Kingle put it so well. He said, those who have always resisted his grace and on their own virtues depended, shall then be cast down, condemned, out from his face, eternally lost and unfriended. Have mercy on us, O Jesus.
people. Have mercy indeed. Because the binding word, every bit as much as the loosing word, does what it says. That's the point of the catechism. When the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ, our dear Lord, dealt with us himself. As valid and as certain, even in heaven. Of course, it might not seem like that. Objection number one. A man's words opening and closing heaven? To which we say, no, Christ's words in a man's mouth. He who hears you hears me. Objection number two. All right, but it's still just words. I don't see anything. To which we say, well, don't ask me, ask Jesus, or ask the 72. You see, the 72 returned from their peace tour, and they couldn't hold back their elation. They blurted out to Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. There you've got it. Clearly, they saw something. Brothers in Christ, you will too. An unrepentant sinner that you've had to place under the minor ban, you'll see this, frantically doing what he can to get back to the altar, not for the forgiveness of sins, but to save face. You'll see that. It's heartbreaking. But if you're exercising the keys Jesus has given to you, that's going to happen. But this is also going to happen. The joy and relief of a sinner who is done once and for all with that haunting sit-up-straight-in-the-bed-in-the-middle-of-the-night sin, with a sin that, to quote John Donne, by which I've won others to sin and made my sin their door, with that sin which I did shun for a year or two, but wallowed in for a score. Done with it. Not because the sinner conquered it, not because his therapist conquered it, but because Christ did, by the word of forgiveness in your mouth. And at that, the demons flee. But Jesus saw something else. He saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. That's exactly what the absolving word does. That's that bit about as valid and certain even in heaven, as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. The accuser of our brothers is cast out by the word of absolution. There's no more room for Satan at heaven's throne nuzzling the Father's ear, accusing you. No peeking out even from behind the curtain of the baldachin. When Christ's word in your mouth has spoken a sinner free, Satan has been cast out. He has been cast down. He has been flung like lightning out of heaven. One little word, just one little word, I forgive you, has felled him. 
That is Christ's promise. In your exercise of the office, therefore, brothers, see as the Lord Jesus sees. And peace be to this house. Rejoice that your names are written in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, 
and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, have mercy on us, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father,
Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and Merciful Lord, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. Amen.